Well, this is the week that Tucker Carlson does his uh, expose. I think he's taken four or five days to do his expose on what happened on January 6th. And, man, he, he took Liz Cheney out last week. And I'm glad that he did. I mean, she's she's really become disgusting. And I, I don't mean that in, a, in obviously a physical sense. It's just she is... She has really become an ugly person uh, with some of the things that she has said that are completely nonsensical. They're debunked. They're not true. And, you know, we're now continuing to find out that even though this was in January 6th, January 6th was used to invoke the NSBA letter and the NSBA, National School Board Association. They're the ones that sent the letter, obviously, to the government and said, hey, parents who are upset that we're doing things that we're not supposed to be doing in school, those parents are domestic terrorists, and we want the Department of Justice to get involved. And, you know, you've really seen some gross stuff as a result of this, where, uh, you know, Eric uh, Swalwell, better known as Fartwell, uh, he goes out there, and and he, and along with many other people, he accused Ted Cruz falsely of defending Nazis, which he did not do at all in that hearing with the attorney general. Uh, there's been a lot of lies as of as of late, just a, a lot. And none of them get dinged on social media. Twitter doesn't put, you know, first of all, Twitter doesn't remove any of those posts. And I'm sorry, but you have a blatant lie about Ted Cruz, a sitting United States senator, a blatant lie about him defending Nazis, which he did not do. He did not defend Nazis. A blatant lie about that. And you do not remove Eric Fartwell's tweet. You don't put a notification of clarification underneath the tweet so everybody knows that it's it's completely erroneous. You don't do that. Uh, Eric Fartwell then went out there and he was he was uh, proclaiming, along with many other people, that that these Democrat Party operatives in Virginia, who were dressed up as the the white nationalists um, that were in the uh, you know that uh, that violent rally in Charlottesville, that they were with the Republican candidate in Virginia, they weren't. Those are Democrat activists. But Swalwell, aka Fartwell, and a bunch of others go out there and and they they do all of this. And again, it, it, Swalwell knows what he's doing. Swalwell accused Ted Cruz of knowing what he's doing. Swalwell knows what he's doing. He's trying to incite violence against Republicans. That's what he's doing by lying about them. None of those posts get tagged. None of those posts get flagged. None of those posts get removed, ever. None of those accounts get suspended. Nothing. It only happens with Republicans. And even then, most of the time, the stuff the Republicans are posting are true. And they still get flagged. So you've got the NSBA to come out there and they go, these parents are domestic terrorists, that whole thing. It finally comes out that the White House colluded with the NSBA on this letter and then the NSBA had to issue an apology after the Department of Justice swore to go after these parents and all that stuff. Um, the NSBA had to issue an apology, not to the parents, but just in general, that there was no justification for using the language in that letter, calling parents domestic terrorists. There's no justification for that whatsoever, and there wasn't. But now, one of the other issues in that letter, one of the other examples they gave really they gave a bunch of examples of the two big examples that they used to justify calling these parents domestic terrorists. The father in Loudoun County, Virginia, turns out his daughter was raped. Okay, 
He was sticking up for his daughter. But remember, he was just a radical white supremacist. No, this is a guy who was upset that his daughter was sexually assaulted at school. Everybody knew about it. And then they all covered it up and pretended it didn't happen because they did not want to go public with a trans student raping a girl in the girl's bathroom. At the end of the day, that's the whole reason that it was buried. Her assault didn't matter because her attacker was in the right demographic and that demographic had to be covered up so nobody knew it happened. Otherwise, you're just going to continue to feed into people being upset by this. The other one was something that happened in Michigan. Now, that story in Michigan was about how a bunch of people rushed the school board meeting stage in order to uh, do a, and I'm quoting here, January 6th style violence on the school board. And one of the, the school board president has been running around, what is her name? Sarah Clark Pearson. She has been running around on NPR and a bunch of other media outlets talking about the harrowing experience that her and her colleagues experienced with these domestic terrorist parents storming the school board stage as if it were another January 6th insurrection, which, of course, there was no insurrection on January 6th. Every moron on the planet knows that. Anybody who still repeats the insurrection nonsense is somebody who is intentionally lying to you because they are subhuman. So she's going around. Sarah Clark Pearson, president of the Grand Ledge School Board, said in local and national interviews on NPR and WILX-TV that the school board experienced a, quote, mini January 6th insurrection. During a recent public meeting when parents rushed the stage with their fists up. There's a problem, though. School boards are made up of more than one person. And other school board members say that she's lying. So the president of the school board gets some national attention. Has her example used in the NSBA letter that is sent to the White House to get the White House's approval on the letter before it's made public then is made public in order to get the FBI and the Department of Justice to harass parents who are only concerned about their kids' education. In the midst of all sorts of campaigns from the news media and even uh, political candidates that parents don't have a right to have a say in their kids' curriculum, you're not supposed to do anything but drop the kid off at the brainwashing center in the morning, pick them up at night. That's it. You have no other obligations, no other responsibilities, and if you take an interest in your kid's education, you're probably problematic. So Sarah Clark Pearson, president of the Grand Ledge School Board, goes out there and talks about how these domestic terrorist parents rushed the stage in a mini January 6th insurrection, raising their fists and all of this other stuff. But other school board members, uh, Ben Suena, says the incident never even happened. And parents do not deserve to be labeled as violent. So the original claim was made on WILX-TV. It was then repeated in an interview with NPR, because, of course, NPR wants to go get that juicy story. Uh, Suena wrote a lengthy statement correcting the record after it was not addressed at the latest school board meeting. So other members of the school board were like, hey, we're going to bring up this issue that you've been running around the country saying that the parents that are in attendance here rushed the stage like it was an insurrection and it wasn't addressed because she's the president. She didn't want it to be addressed because she's embarrassed. She knows she's going to get exposed. 
And so what happens is he wrote a lengthy statement about it. Pearson was apparently fine with covering up her dishonesty. Uh, we'll see if she actually issues any corrections. Um, not not expecting anything to come from the the NPR side of things either as there's more updates on this. If there is an update to it, they'll wait a couple of months after the story is completely gone and nobody cares about it, and then they'll do the update for plausible deniability. Uh, but the important thing is, is that this was a fabricated incident by one deranged lunatic school board president, okay? She lies about parents. She lies about violence at a school board meeting. It goes viral. It becomes national news. It's inserted as an example in this letter to the White House demanding that the Department of Justice and the FBI get involved and get these parents, these domestic terrorist parents, in line. The thing never happened. It was a lie. It was just another example of fake hate, fake news. It didn't happen at all. And when it wasn't addressed at the school board, as you would expect any major incident like that would have been, if it were real, you would expect it to be addressed at the school board. Hey, last school board meeting, you all tried to kill us. Not okay. But that didn't come up. And because it didn't come up, one of the other school board members on that school board had to correct the record and let everybody know what she's alleged happened never happened. Completely fabricated and completely made up. So an unsubstantiated event that didn't happen ends up in the NSBA letter. A man whose daughter was sexually assaulted at the school and it was covered up by the school and that school board lost his temper because they were protecting his child's rapist. And he's then vilified and demonized by the entire news media was another fake story. That he was uh, just an angry parent and he was unruly. No, he, he behaved probably better than most parents would behave. child was just assaulted at school the school board knew about it and the school board pretended it didn't happen and covered it up because they didn't like the optics of a trans student raping somebody in the bathroom of the sex that they identify as there's a reason they're not calling the attacker trans there's a reason they're calling the attacker a boy in a skirt which by the way um isn't isn't that um isn't that misgendering, calling a trans person their biological sex? Hmm? Pretty sure that it is. But it has been interesting how they're avoiding using the word trans to describe the attacker. Isn't that interesting? So the two big examples of domestic terrorist parents that were presented to the White House, which got the Department of Justice and the FBI involved in parents being concerned about their kids' education, were both fabricated nonsense lies, both of them. Yeah, I know. You're not surprised. Neither am I. Got more coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Oh, California's got transgender condors now. It just popped up that the uh, the condor, which I think is a state bird in California, isn't it? The condor has been asexually reproducing itself. Cool. 
nothing bad could come from that at all. Uh, let's talk about let's talk about an idiot, Ibram X. Kendi. This is one of the main proponents of critical race theory, and has written the book calling for more discrimination, which leftists in the media like to tell you, "Oh, that's being misquoted." We actually read you the page, read you the page from the book, so you had full context of what he was saying. Well, anyway. The reason that I bring this up is uh, Kendi. Kendi self-owned himself, realized he self-owned himself and that he had debunked his entire existence and cash cow and then was forced to delete the social media post to try and cover up for it, all while trying to attack Whitey. All right, here we go. Author and activist Ibram X. Kendi who upholds the ideas that white privilege is rampant in American culture and systemic racism keeps minorities in states of oppression, shared an article on Twitter that revealed, ready for this? Now, basically what Kendi is doing is finally acknowledging what I've been telling you for years. But I digress. I'll let him, I'll let him, his own words say it. So this is his post. <clears throat> More than a third of white students lied about their race on college applications. Elizabeth Warren. And about half of these applicants lied about being Native American, like Elizabeth Warren. More than three-fourths of these students who lied about their race were accepted into college. Now, of course, this is an article from The Hill. Uh, the title of the article is More Than a Third of White Students Lie About Their Race on College. Okay, So, he posts this. And what he's intending this to be is those white devils lie and steal slots in college from color <coughs> people of color. Okay? Well, <clears throat> my throat still has not recovered, obviously, from the sickness from last week. So he's trying to he's trying to attack white students for lying about their race. What he doesn't realize, and was pointed out to him immediately on social media. <clears throat> was that um, if, hold on a second, sorry. Do apologize. If it is so much easier for whites in this country just because they're white, why is it that they have to lie about their race to get into college? Now, obviously, this notion <clears throat> that there is this uh, privilege anyway. It's it's easily debunked with the simple admissions data. Uh, as we've said before, the the most educated demographic in the United States uh, right now appears to be black women. They, they get accepted into college at higher rates than everybody else. Um, more college degrees than anybody else, that sort of thing. I shouldn't say rates because I don't know about the the definitive rate, but, you know, in the numbers. And in the effort to attack whites on this because they lied about their race to get into college, he proves that whites have to lie about their race to get into college. Well, if you have to lie about your race to get into college, to make it easier for you to get into college, I should say, then clearly you're not experiencing any privilege from being white. Otherwise, you wouldn't have to pretend to not be white in order to get a slot in college. So he posts this, trying to attack white people, and then he's immediately notified, yo, the entire premise of your existence, you've just debunked everything. And he, 
I assume something to the effect of, oh, snap, and then took his tweet down trying to delete it. But it has, of course, been saved forever as enterprising people know how to save this stuff. But you go out, you literally prove this. You know how much money this guy has made off of this theory that if you're white, it's easier for you to get into college. Well, if that's true, then why do white people pretend to not be white like Elizabeth Warren? Why is that possible? Why do they have to do that? You know, we've been talking about the grants and all of this stuff for many, many years. They benefit pretty much everybody except for white males. White males getting, you know, grants and free money to go to college. Very difficult to do. Everybody else, it's much easier. And okay, that's that's fine. But you should at least allow there to be some of these things. Remember, there's uh, these groups running around that were actually doing these these white scholarships and stuff like that. And boy, do they really hate that. They hate it. Their position was, well, they have them for everybody else. Why not? Why not white people too? And that was seen as racist and offensive. So Kendi, in his effort to attack and own the white devil, has proven his own concepts completely irrelevant and wrong. MNC News Time is 531. Time to check out Impress Jewelry Creations, creating meaningful jewelry for the moments that will last a lifetime. What's up, everybody? Casey Hendrickson here. Listen, eating healthy. Keeping up with a diet, not exactly the easiest thing in the world. I'm back on carnivore today. And because I'm back on carnivore, this is always the question that I get when when I go back on carnivore is, what about vegetables? Um, and the truth is, you can totally have vegetables and stuff like that. Remember, the, the spirit of the carnivore diet is to be an elimination diet. It's just that people feel so good on it, they stay on it. But... Nothing wrong with getting your fruits and veggies in, too. Nothing wrong with that. And you can do that with balance of nature. And Laura Smith, again, she hosts The Way Home right here on 95.3 MNC. This on Sundays at noon. Um, she, she hooked me up with this. And this is balance of nature's fruits and veggies. And, in fact, I just gave Josh his bottles today. I've been promising him the bottles for, I don't know, what, two weeks now at least. So he's going to start taking it and provide some feedback for us as well. But this is real food. That has been ground up and put in a capsule. So real whole vegetables, real whole fruits, okay? Not additives, not supplements. This is the real deal. So you get all of the the nutrients from the the real food, and you get it in a capsule form, and you get all your vitamins, your minerals, your fibers, and all that stuff, and you're good to go. So it, it feels great. Plus, it's a great way, if you're a parent, it is a great way to sneak some of that stuff into your kid's food so you increase their their intake of fruits and vegetables. So, again, The Way Home airs Sundays at noon right here on 95.3 MNC. In fact, I think I'm going to be on her show here soon. But here's what you got to do. Okay, You want to get Balance of Nature fruits and veggies. You go to Balance of Nature's website. That's balanceofnature.com. Use Laura's promo code, L-A-U-R-A, and you get 35% off on Balance of Nature's website. So, again, L-A-U-R-A, Laura is the promo code for 35% off. They even offer health coaching with your purchase of their fruits and veggies capsules uh, just for some extra guidance and support while you're you're getting things going. So give it a try. I, I've been enjoying it. I've been using it. Josh is going to start using it now. And we have been, again, smuggling it into the kids' food over the past couple of weeks so they get extra fruits and veggies and vitamins and all of that stuff. And uh, and they, they've been doing pretty good. They didn't get sick when I got sick, so that's good. That's good news. So balanceofnature.com, promo code Laura to save 35%. All right, uh, what else do we have here? <clears throat> no, I don't want to talk about that one again. 
Um, I'm not going to do the gender strategy thing. Everybody else has done the gender strategy thing. I, I don't really need to go into it. Um, you know, Alec Baldwin, he's on, I know that Alec Baldwin, I'm, I don't want to do too much here because we only have like a minute anyway. So Alec Baldwin, he finally spoke to the cameras and he did the whole thing. She was my friend. You know, I killed my friend, that sort of thing. And we just have to point this out. The actor is supposed to clear the firearm. Forget about Hollywood rules. The person holding the gun is supposed to clear the firearm. It doesn't matter if somebody else comes up to you and says, hey, the firearm's clear, the firearm's cold. That's the, the term that they use on the, on the set. The firearm's cold, which means there's no live rounds in it. It's your job as the final person that is holding that tool. It is your job to verify it is safe to use. That's your job. That was Alec Baldwin's job. I'm not absolving anybody else of blame here. There's plenty of other people that can be blamed and looks like it's going to come out. Uh, we, we gave you the update on the armorer. She finally spoke out last week. But, you know, she goes, I don't, I don't know who brought the ammo there. I didn't bring the ammo. I didn't know there was any ammo on set. There's 500 rounds of ammo that were on set. That's just what they found that hadn't been used while they were using the, the prop guns for recreational shooting. Kind of hard to believe that she didn't know that. But Alec Baldwin, again, he's just he's doing everything he can. Not my fault, not my fault, not my fault. Had Alec Baldwin been a been a gun activist, a Second Amendment supporter, he would have known how to properly handle that firearm. That woman is alive today. It, but unfortunately, he didn't. He's an anti-gun zealot. And as a result, he didn't take gun safety seriously. He he outsourced it to other people, and he shot, as he put it, his friend to death. More coming up. 95.3 MNC. All right, so a couple of things. Uh, Dan Bongino still in a battle with Cumulus. That is still not going well. Listen to his show today. His podcast, again, is live every single day. Listen to it today and says it's still not going well, so we don't know what's going to happen with that. We're not, not quite sure. And as soon as we know something, we will pass it on to you, but we don't know anything. I addressed this in great detail last week, uh, Friday when we were at uh, Monterey Mexican Bar and Grill for the Halloween Bash, and we were broadcasting the entire radio show there. I had a lot of questions come up about that. Spent some time going over it, getting some inside baseball for some people. Um, but it, it doesn't look good. I hope it changes. I hope it works out. I really do. But it doesn't look good at this point in time. Dan's not optimistic, so I will keep you updated on that. Make sure you follow me on Rumble. Make sure you subscribe on Rumble. It is free. While you're on Rumble, subscribe to my channel, at Casey the Host. Head over and subscribe to Dan Bongino's as well. And you can also follow me on Telegram at Casey the Host. Uh, I will update my, my universal social media page here with a couple of new things at some point this week, just so everybody is, is uh, aware to look for it. Um, but uh, there's a lot going on. So we got a busy couple of weeks, including some remotes and noise and all of that. So it's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of fun, but as we head into the cold weather and the holiday season, we're gonna ram a bunch of stuff through and uh, fill up our schedule. Make sure you go to 953mnc.com or thelearner.com. Get your noise tickets today. Again, VIPs are sold out. They sold out super fast, but come see Brian Kilmeade and me on stage for noise on November 13th at the Learner Theater in Elkhart. Other than that, buy a 3D printer. Here's Bill O'Reilly.